From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The Atlantic magazine called Philip Mangano the abolitionist when it profiled the George W. Bush aide who said we could end chronic homelessness in America. Mangano pioneered the notion that rapidly housing the homeless and serving their needs in a home setting would save the government money by reducing policing and emergency medical costs. This idea became consensus on the left and the right, and homelessness seemed to drop. But a new report from the Trump administration says it was all smoke and mirrors. The President's Council of Economic Advisors says the drop, which has slightly reversed in the last two years, was the result of a change in the way the government counts the homeless. And Trump says that Mangano's housing-first approach hasn't worked, nor has it saved money. As a result, Trump has proposed a new strategy that will focus on removing barriers to the construction of housing and fighting illegal drugs. My guest today is Richard Cho, who's worked on homelessness at both the state and federal levels. He's chief executive officer for the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness and previously served in senior positions at the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness during Barack Obama's administration. So welcome, Richard. Thanks for coming on our show. Thanks for having me, Sean. So, Richard, President Trump's Council on Economic Advisors says Housing First hasn't worked. It argues, in fact, that it may increase homelessness as people stay on the streets in order to get a free house or apartment. What's your take on it? Does it work and, and does it save money? Well, Sean, I, I would say it absolutely works. Um, and I'll say that at a couple levels. On the one hand, we know that from uh, you know, volumes of evidence and studies that at the individual level, um, Housing First um, works, uh, and in particular, permanent supportive housing for people who are chronically homeless, those who have disabilities and chronic health conditions, and who really need a combination of both rental assistance and wraparound services, um, it is the most effective intervention in helping people um, exit homelessness and stay stably housed as well as improve their health outcomes, uh, not to mention actually lower their use of uh, emergency crisis services, um, everything from emergency rooms and hospitals to jails uh, and prisons uh, and substance use treatment programs. Um, you know, it certainly works on the individual level. Um, one of the things we found over the years, though, is that not every person experiencing homelessness has those um, really severe challenges. And in fact, a lot of people who fall into homelessness are people who could be assisted with um, less intensive assistance. And so one of the uh, developments over the last several years, um, something that uh, we certainly worked on when I was uh, in the federal government, uh, was applying the housing first approach, not just on a uh, programmatic level and not just focused on those that were chronically homeless who had disabilities, but also for the entire uh, population of people who fall into homelessness. And what that meant was expanding the housing first approach to also provide um, lighter touch, uh, less intensive assistance to people who frankly didn't need the level of rental assistance or wraparound support, uh, but really uh, you know, um, something less uh, in order to exit homelessness. But the key kind of common denominator was you know, like, don't make people have to jump through hoops, um, have to um, complete 
treatment programs don't think that the the goal is to sort of fix all of the uh, underlying issues. That really the way to exit to end homelessness was to help people um, obtain stable housing and then use that housing as a platform for other forms of success. And you know sometimes it takes uh, a more expensive intervention and sometimes it takes uh, less types of assistance uh, to be able to um, help people exit homelessness. So one of the big appeals, obviously, of Housing First was that it was billed as cost-free, that this would reduce policing costs, this would reduce emergency room costs. It would essentially pay for itself, it was said. If that was so, wouldn't we expect a bigger decline in homelessness than what we have actually seen? I think that's true. You know, the, the folks that tend to be the more costly users of those public services, it is absolutely the case that when you provide them with permanent supportive housing, they tend to use emergency departments less, they get hospitalized less, they use jails less, and um, the reduction in those use of those costly services does essentially offset the cost of providing them with permanent supportive housing. Um, I think one of the reasons why we've not seen the kind of reductions in homelessness uh, that uh, we should have seen are for a number of reasons. One is, um, during the Bush administration, uh, the primary focus, in some ways the exclusive focus, was just on people who were chronically homeless. That was roughly the, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 percent of the homeless population. Uh, what we found is actually there. Those are the people we see sleeping on sidewalks, essentially. Uh, yeah, people correct. People who have the serious, who, serious you know, problems. Yeah, who, who were really stuck in homelessness, who had no way out, and who probably had severe psychiatric disabilities, uh, certainly um, maybe self-medicated using drugs or alcohol, um, but really high need, complex need. Uh, and at that time, the thought was, you know, let's focus on that group because they're the most costly group. Um, but for the most of the other folks, the assumption was that they would self-resolve. Well, you know, we also found that, um, uh, you know, uh, we, we saw a uh, pretty severe economic downturn related to housing uh, in the late 2000s. Uh, we also found that a lot of the people who were falling into homelessness were getting stuck there, not because of mental health or substance use needs, but just because of the uh, lack of economic opportunity coupled with the rising cost of housing. And I know most people who are uh, falling into the crisis of homelessness, they're not necessarily people who are carrying around a bunch of savings with them. So, uh, you know, I think what we found is a lot of these are folks are folks that we could provide either one-time assistance or maybe three to six months, uh, maybe nine months of rental assistance, and they could really find their way back into stable housing. You know, they may not be uh, making a lot of money, but they, but they may actually be able to stay out of homelessness. Now, the Trump administration, in their report, says that the federal government has made a significant investment in helping uh, states and localities implement housing first, and therefore we know it hasn't worked. That's their argument. Um, but what's your take? I mean, has Congress and the administration, through uh, the Bush and Obama years, now into the Trump years, put forth the level of initial investment that's needed for housing first? Because obviously it requires an initial investment to recoup the savings that's are, that are expected from policing and emergency medical costs. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been some increases, you know, all throughout the Obama administration. There were requests that the president made to Congress to increase investments in the the homeless assistance grants uh, budget line, which is where uh, most of the dollars are that the federal government provides for things like permanent supportive housing and rapid rehousing interventions. Um, you know, but uh, during that entire eight years, uh, there was a very modest, uh, if you know, almost zero increases uh, in that homeless line item. In fact, the last few years, we've seen increases in investments in homeless assistance grants, um, but it's nowhere near what is, I think, needed uh, to solve the, the crisis. And part of the challenge is, is, you know, homelessness is kind of, you can think of it as a system of flows that 
every year more people fall into housing crisis and the longer we wait to help them the harder it is to actually help them get exit homelessness the more expensive it becomes during the obama years the government's count of the homeless which it does one one day a year they count all the people who are homeless uh, dropped from over 600,000 to less than 550,000 and it's gone up a little bit in the last two years during President Trump's uh, tenure. And that has almost entirely been because of a rise in homelessness in Los Angeles. And this issue has blown up this week because of President Trump's criticism of California, particularly Los Angeles, but also San Francisco, where there, there are an unusually large number of people living on the streets, not even in shelters. Uh, if you look at uh, San Francisco, it's a total disaster. What's happening? Are they going to ruin those cities? And uh, we're going to get involved very soon on a federal basis if they don't clean up their act. Is California doing something wrong? Is Los Angeles doing something wrong? No, I think there's a lot of complex things going on than I think is really being captured in, in the kind of story that's that's happening here. Um, certainly, California is a place that um, is facing um, pretty severe pressures on its housing market, particularly at the low, uh, low, lower end cost of that market. Um, and you know, I think um, the homelessness uh, increases that we're seeing are real, uh, and they're real not just because uh, you know they're visible, you can see them on the streets, but also because you know uh, there's intense pressures on the housing market. Um, California happens to have a really strong economy, and I think that part of that is be- and is really driving up the cost of rent, um, you know, coupled with the fact that uh, it's become uh, more difficult to provide uh, more housing development at the lower end of that, that, that market. So Trump has proposed, indeed, uh, reducing zoning codes or making them less stringent so that more housing can be constructed. Is that a good idea? You know, I, I would say, you know, regulation and, and zoning barriers are real. Um, I don't think that's, uh, it's, it's wrong to say that. What I don't think is uh, being reflected in this report is the recognition that uh, even if you lift regulation, uh, even if you create more flexibility in regulation, um, that's going to be no- that's going to do nothing to actually increase the stock of affordable or low-income housing. In fact, what it may do is just um, create more um, higher-end, uh, uh, you know, above-market um, housing that would actually um, drive up rents even further. So um, I think it's not a simple, you know, part. You know, I think regulation is part of the problem of, of what's going on that's um, inhibiting um, housing development. It is not the whole picture at all, and I think what needs to be understood is um, how um, housing markets don't reflect uh, the actual, uh, the, you know, what people are actually able to pay. Right? It's not subject to just simple market forces that people at the lowest end of the um, housing market are being left out uh, of what's being developed. Um, so affordability be, uh, needs to be addressed certainly. Um, so I think some of the criticism of where Los Angeles and San Francisco are going is is a bit unfair, uh, and that, that's because uh, those are jurisdictions that are working really hard to try to implement housing first on a large scale. It is just a lot harder to pull that off in a place like that. So tell us a little bit more about your work in Connecticut and what you're seeing at the ground level and how you're approaching ending homelessness there. Yeah, so you know, I, I left the federal government in 2016 uh, and, and uh, took a job working in criminal justice reform for a few years. Um, I ended up taking the job uh, to lead the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness um, at the end of last November. Um, and one of the reasons uh, why that job was so attractive was because Connecticut was, in many ways, the best, it was kind of the star student of the federal government under the Obama years, where we talked about housing first, we talked about the need to create a coordinated system to deliver homeless services, we talked about the need to triage and prioritize uh, and assess people's needs and, and tailor assistance to those levels. 
Connecticut did all those things. And in many ways, I think Connecticut is maybe one of the few states in the country that was able to do that on the scale that we have uh, and on a statewide basis. Um, today in Connecticut, uh, if you're homeless or falling into housing crisis, you can call our state's 2 one info line. Uh, and 2 and one conducts a high-level assessment, and they actually try to connect you to various types of emergency assistance, uh, utility payments, uh, rent arrears assistance, um, or sometimes just provide some basic counseling to help people uh, avoid homelessness. Uh, when they can't do that, they refer to one of our seven regional uh, homeless assistance uh, coordinated access networks, we call them. Uh, and they're uh, people who are experiencing housing crisis, get assessed, and then they get matched to different forms of need. Um, the vast majority of people are able to um, exit homelessness with uh, one-time financial assistance, something like uh, anywhere from $1,000 uh, or so to um, provide them with security deposits. Uh, many of those people are able to exit or avoid homelessness uh, just through housing counseling, um, helping resolve a dispute with a landlord, helping resolve uh, a, a dispute with a family member, um, helping reunify with family members. Uh, a, a smaller group then actually ends up requiring uh, emergency shelter to stay off the streets, uh, at which time that they're matched to different levels of housing assistance, either permanent supportive housing for those that have more severe uh, challenges and disabilities, uh, or short-term rental assistance in the form of what we call rapid rehousing. So that's the kind of comprehensive system that we've built in Connecticut. Uh, and you know, over the last several years, we've seen um, steady year after year declines in the number of people who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, and that's because we've implemented Housing First uh, on a systems level on a statewide basis. Uh, so I'm, I'm really proud to be here in Connecticut, uh, really um, uh, to be the kind of example of how uh, a jurisdiction or a state uh, can really implement the Housing First vision on, on the scale that we have. Richard, thank you so much for joining our show. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. And thank you for listening to CQ on Congress. The producer of this show is Micaela Rodriguez. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And please rate us. We'll see you again next week.